Good afternoon and welcome. It's midday. I'm Tom Hall. Thanks for being with us. I appreciate it. Yesterday, President Joe Biden returned to Baltimore to tout one of the projects that will be paid for with funds allocated in the Bipartisan Infrastructure Act. The B&P Tunnel is 150 years old, and it's considered the biggest bottleneck in the Northeast Corridor, which runs from Washington, D.C. to New York. To speed things up as trains come through Baltimore, Amtrak plans to construct a new tunnel, which will be named after Frederick Douglass. Not everyone is as excited about this project as President Biden, Governor Wes Moore, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, and other officials who were with the president yesterday. A little later, I'll be joined by Laura Amley, an activist with an organization called RAT, R-A-T-T, or Residents Against the Tunnel. RATT has been organizing in opposition to the tunnel for the last several years. Now, full disclosure, the tunnel is scheduled or planned to run through the neighborhood in which I live. Laura Amley is a neighbor of mine, and other neighbors of mine have uh, been involved in opposition to this tunnel project, as I said, for the last several years. My wife and I uh, did attend a couple of meetings early in the process back in 2015, I believe, um, but we have not been involved with the RATT organization. Uh, And one of the reasons, the big reason for that, is that uh, at some point I figured I would be covering it. So that's in fact what we're doing today. And I want to make sure that uh, we have a full disclosure about the people uh, who've been involved with opposition to the tunnel and uh, our involvement as well, Linnell's and mine. But let's start today with Callan Tansel Suddeth. She's with our news partner, The Baltimore Banner, and she joins us on our digital line. Callan, how you doing? Hi, Tom. Doing well. Good. So you were at the event yesterday uh, hosted by President Biden. Uh, what was your uh, what was your take? What, what, what did the president uh, have to say? What kind of crowd? There was some uh, star power in the crowd. Uh, set the scene for us. So I actually was not at the event yesterday, um, but a photographer with the Baltimore banner was and um, there was a pretty significant crowd there, around 100 people, um, a number of notable political figures from Maryland. The governor was there, the lieutenant governor, um, senators Chris Van Hollen and Ben Cardin, um, a lot of uh, representatives from the local IBEW union, and uh, generally pretty celebratory. There was a lot of cheering during the speeches. Um, There was American flag bunting on the street surrounding. It was a it was a definitely a celebratory occasion. And the need or the reason uh, that the president, the governor and many others are so excited about building a new tunnel. uh, How would you describe that? What are they saying the, the reasons we need a new tunnel are? So the B&P tunnel, the Baltimore and, Baltimore and Potomac tunnel, excuse me, is the oldest of its kind operated by Amtrak. It's 150 years old, and it's this notorious bottleneck, as you were saying. Um, it causes significant delays and is a single point of failure. It's the, only, it's the Northeast Corridor's only single point of failure where both tracks rely on a single structure. So... If there is an incident, it's blocked off. No one can get around it. And it 
is something that has been causing problems for a long time, and there is general excitement over finally updating it. And what what is it that they want to build in this new tunnel? So they're going to modernize and transform the whole thing. Um, for one thing, it's being renamed the Frederick, Doug- Frederick Douglass Tunnel. Um, it's going to transform a four-mile section of the Northeast Corridor. Uh, first and foremost, it's going to have two new tubes for electrified passenger trains. There's going to be a new roadway. There are going to be railroad bridges, new rail systems, track, and a new ADA-accessible West Baltimore Mark Station. Has there been, uh, or was there yesterday, any mention of freight going on, uh, you know, going through this new tunnel? I mean, they're they're talking about uh, electrified passenger trains. What about freight? Freight was not uh, very present in the conversation. This was definitely a passenger-focused uh, conversation, and that's something that President Biden is known for some his passion about. Amtrak Joe uh, was very eager to talk about how often he has taken this exact line or ridden in the train through this exact line. And he said he knows firsthand just how badly it needs an upgrade. So I'd say while freight will benefit from this, this was a people-focused conversation. Uh, Of course, Joe Biden very famously took the train from Delaware to the Capitol uh, as a commuter, uh, and he returned to Delaware most nights to take care of his uh, young family. Uh, His first wife was killed very tragically in an accident, car accident, right before he uh, entered the Senate. Let's listen to a little bit of what the president had to say yesterday. This law is most significant investment in American roads, bridges, since the interstate highway system and it's the single most significant investment in rail in america since amtrak was created 50 years ago through the infrastructure law we're going to invest over four billion dollars to replace the existing baltimore and potomac tunnel and that's why it's so important over 2200 trains run on this corridor every single day and it's the busiest in the united states one of the busiest corridors in the world the problem Anywhere along the line means they're up and down the East Coast. It means commuters are trying to get to and from work, and they're getting in trouble. Business trying to ship their goods. Travelers trying to visit family. If this line shuts down, it's just one day. It would cost the country over $100 million. That's President Joe Biden speaking yesterday in Baltimore at an announcement of uh, plans to build a new tunnel tunnel, uh, for train traffic that will be named after Frederick Douglass. I wonder what you think about this idea of building a new tunnel. A little bit later in the show, we're going to hear from somebody who thinks it's not a great idea. Where do you stand on this? Our number here at Midday, 410-662-8780. Our email is midday at wypr.org. You can tweet us at Midday. WIPR. So, Callan, um, when we talk about the delays, that when when uh, President Biden mentions the delays, uh, Amtrak uh, estimates them to be really pretty significant. What what are they telling you? Uh, a, a normal sort of you know series of delays looks like. Yeah, they're quite significant, alarming even. Um, according to Amtrak, more than ten percent of weekday trains are delayed. And delays occur on 99% of weekdays in the Baltimore-Washington tunnel, pardon me, the uh, BNP tunnel. And 
I mean, that seems like reason enough in itself to look at, look deeper into what can be done. Yeah, I mean, basically, there's a delay every day for some of those 2,200 trains that uh, President Biden referred to. Now, this is an expensive project. Uh, I understand the total cost, something like $6 billion. That's a billion with a B. $6 um, billion, roughly, yeah. Yeah, how does that get divided up? Who's paying for what? So according to the White House, funding from the bipartisan infrastructure law uh, will pay for roughly $4.7 billion of it. And then... The state of Maryland has committed $450 million, and Amtrak has committed $750 million. And uh, a, a good bit of money has already been invested uh, in this project to do uh, studies, I guess. I mean, how much have they spent so far? Do we know? Um, I'm not looking at those figures, actually. But I do know that um, funds from the bipartisan infrastructure law have not yet been released. Because I understand that there's almost $44 million have already been spent for studies, you know, environmental impact studies and, and that kind of thing. Um, I think that comes from the Washington Post, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but as you say, no money yet has been released from the infrastructure bill. The president is in New York today talking about another tunnel, the tunnel that goes under the Hudson River uh, connecting New Jersey mm -hmm. to uh, Manhattan. Um, so, you know, he's he's uh, making a lot of stops around the country talking about the projects that will be funded with this bipartisan infrastructure bill. Um, uh, Governor Moore had some comments about this as well. He's a big supporter of this project, as is the congressional delegation of uh, Maryland. But Governor Moore concentrated on jobs. Uh, the president certainly mentioned jobs as well. Uh, but tell us what their estimates are uh, in that regard. Sure. So this project could bring around 30,000 jobs to the area, 20,000 of which are in sort of the construction industry. Um, and these would be union jobs. So that's something that President Biden touted a great deal. The 30,000 jobs in the Baltimore region would be a tremendous addition to the workforce, Moore was saying. And that was a central point of his campaign that he ran on. So Moore was probably more focused on the, you know, effect on the workforce in Maryland than anything else when he spoke. Yeah, one of his uh, signature phrases during the campaign was work, wages, and wealth. Uh, and he says that this is a project that, yep. that might, uh, you know, accomplish all three. I mean, uh, the, the estimates are that with express trains on the MARC system, which runs between uh, Baltimore and Washington, uh, that the express trains could get between Baltimore and D.C. in under 30 minutes. So that's another job-related uh, perk that they're saying would, would happen if this new tunnel is constructed because there are people then who would live, uh, putatively live in Baltimore because the cost of living here much, much less than in D.C., uh, but be able to commute to Washington, you know, really quickly, even more, much more quickly than now. Um, uh, in in terms of the uh, uh, overall uh, impact of this, I mean, it, it seems like there's no uh, there, there's no there there were some protests uh, yesterday by this group uh, residents against the tunnel, and as I mentioned, we're going to talk to uh, the president of that organization in a minute. But it sounds like politically um, there is uh, definite consensus 
uh, on uh, the, the, the good impacts of this uh, project for the city and for the whole Northeast Corridor. Do you, do, have you heard from any political, have you heard any political uh, opposition from any elected officials or uh, government officials? I have not heard any opposition from uh, political figures thus far. Um, I I think that the primary group that has taken issue with the project are those who live in the community. And uh, as you said, you are going to speak with a representative from that group. Um, aside from lawmakers who were critical of the bipartisan infrastructure bill, I have not heard any yeah. uh, qualms course, with the specific Maryland, right. this specific project. And none of the none of the lawmakers who did oppose the uh, bipartisan infrastructure bill were in the congressional delegation other than Andy Harris, a uh, Republican from the Eastern Shore. Callan Tansel Suttoth is with our news partner, the Baltimore Banner. Callan, thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And coming up, building a new tunnel isn't the only idea out there when it comes to improving the commute between Washington and New York. So after a break, as we mentioned, I'll speak with an activist who will make the case for an alternative. Laura Emley joins me next. She's with Residence Against the Tunnel. It's midday. I'm Tom Hall. Stay with us. This is 88.1 WYPR. And welcome back. It's Midday. I'm Tom Hall. By the way, coming up tomorrow on our show, a conversation about local transportation. The Baltimore Metropolitan Council has some ideas about a regional transportation authority, and we'll talk about it with Mike Kelly, the executive director of the BMC, and Mark Anthony Thomas, the CEO of the Greater Baltimore Committee, representing Baltimore businesses. So that's on the way tomorrow. If you've just joined us today, we're talking about the plan to build a new train tunnel named after Frederick Douglass, which is intended to improve the travel time along the Northeast Corridor. Joining me now is Laura Amley, the president of a grassroots organization called Resonance Against the Tunnel. She joins me here in Studio A. Laura, good to see you. Good to see you, Tom. And we reached out to officials at Amtrak, but they declined our invitation to be part of our conversation today. You are welcome to be part of it. 410-662-8780. Our email, midday at WIPR.org. You can tweet us at midday WIPR. So, Laura, as I mentioned in the first uh, segment, uh, I'm in a neighborhood, uh, which is your neighborhood. You and I are neighbors. We live about a block apart in Reservoir Hill. Uh, our neighborhood will be affected. Um, this organization, uh, RATT, RAT, uh, Residents Against the Tunnel, started quite a while ago. When, when, did, uh, when did the first meetings for this uh, group start taking place? In 2015, when uh, it was first announced. Yeah, and what was your concern back then? I mean, why, why did this group get formed? Uh, our concern um, basically is, is human safety. 
honestly, it boils down to that, in that we have uh, um, fragile old homes. We have it's, it's we have several concerns. Let me put it that way. First off, the environmental justice concern. This is a huge project, and well, um, you know, I don't claim to speak for all everyone, all the neighborhoods affected. Uh, while they were rah-rahing yesterday, there was no mention of the losers. And there are losers in this equation, and it is the usual people. Uh, the All of the areas that will be affected by this 10 years of construction with massive tunnel boring machines, massive truckloads of stuff for 10 long years right outside the schools are in environmental justice um, areas where the populations are minorities and are poorer than most of Baltimore, let alone Maryland. So what neighborhoods will be affected? We're going from Reservoir Hill, then you keep going west, Edmondson, Fulton Avenue, uh, um, Penn North as you go along, and then the end of it is at uh, right outside Carver Votech High School. Um, they're talking about building a, a new mark station in West Baltimore that will be ADA accessible, um, and they are going to—they're going to change the route of where the trains go. So right now, uh, it goes from uh, near the Warwick Avenue bridge at Lafayette Avenue, and it goes it, sort of straight into Penn Station, uh, and, it, and it gets there below North Avenue. For so for people to envision this, this is south of North Avenue. Um, it gets over to Penn Station. Um, they're talking about bringing it above North Avenue and having a wider uh, curve. It's actually, it looks to me when you look at it on the map, uh, a longer distance, but they can do it, they're saying, the Amtrak folks are saying, they can do it quicker. They can The train can go at 100 miles an hour as opposed to 30 miles an hour. Um, and so it will get, to, get through Penn Station and get to Penn Station quicker. So um, what about that? Uh, that that very real need uh, that people seem to be uh, talking a lot about to make this uh, make this route faster and the bottleneck argument that they were making yesterday. Right. Um, we absolutely support passenger train traffic, traffic, and and Amtrak definitely has a problem that needs to be solved. Um, however, in terms of speed, this is a PR war in many ways in that there's a lot of deceptive things about how much faster this will be. Their own EIS shows that the maximum time savings per trip and is e 2.5 minutes. And EIS is an I'm environmental sorry. impact study. Correct. Uh -huh. I'm sorry. That <laughs> um, the maximum savings per trip is 2.5 minutes. Um, so all these other time savings are from the other things that are being built and done. And, you know, tying an ADA requirement to the tunnel it doesn't make a lot of sense. We should be able to have an ADA uh, um, available station regardless of whether this tunnel is built. Our question is, whom does this help? Whom does it hurt? And is there a way to rebalance that? Because right now it hurts West Baltimore tremendously, not only uh, from the damages and the hardships of construction, but then the ongoing the ongoing operations of all these trains. Um, there are 5,000 people living in the vibration zone in old, fragile homes. It's, it's extremely dangerous. The other thing is something you mentioned before, uh, the elephant in the room they're trying to carry, put under the carpet is freight. And even a frustrated Amtrak rep said to us, this is a freight project, stop talking to us. And I was like, okay. The, um, as I said, PR war, 
when even again their EIS states as a con of this that the communities might object to freight. So they took it out of the PR. So while the PR changed to say there are only two new electric tunnels for tubes for trains, if you back them to the wall and say, so does that mean freight is out? They'll say, no, freight is inevitable. inevitable. So while it changed the, the PR, it did not change the reality of the record of decision and what they're allowed to do and what they plan to do. Well, they, Amtrak did say that they've uh, scaled back the original thought of it. The original thought was to build two double-tiered passageways, tracks, whatever you call them. Uh, Right now, there's going to be one, so trains will go on top of each other. They're electrified uh, uh, passenger trains. There's no freight. And and Amtrak says that they uh, were going to do freight along with the passenger trains, but decided to scale it back and not do the freight. But um, you, you just don't believe that eventually they will uh, they will add freight to the equation? I would believe it if it changed the environment impact survey and if it changed the record of decision. Legally, what they are allowed to do... So what's is, a record of decision? Uh, the record of decision is the um, once all the environmental impact Uh, reports are in, they're sort of the golden ticket, because that's the information that goes to everyone, no matter how flawed or biased it is. And once that goes, then it is looked at uh, by the FRA and other decision makers. Sorry, what's the FRA? uh, um, The Federal Railroad Administration. Mm -hmm. I apologize. This has become a jargon for us. You're steeped in this, and so (laughs) some of us aren't. (laughs) Indeed. So, So when you say the record of decision, regardless of how flawed it is, who... Who determines the record of decision? Who, who, what's the, the decision-making body for that? That is a really excellent question. It's uh, mostly the Federal Railroad Administration. Okay, so, so they, will, they will approve a record of decision. Yeah, the record of decision is their stamp. It basically says, yep, we read this, we got it, it's good, our decision is go ahead. And right now that is the decision, right? Right now that is the decision and it still includes two... Massive. We're talking 30-foot diameter um, tubes for double-stack freight trains containing all kinds of hazardous waste, explosives, all those things that progressive cities are trying to get out of the city. And actually, Baltimore had the option to get it out way back uh, 30 years ago when they were refitting the port for um, roll-on, roll-off and and dredging the harbor, when there was that big push for the the port, which is important. I get it. (laughs) So so you're saying that the current plan does include uh, construction of tracks that could be used by freight trains? Absolutely. The current approved plan. And uh, your alternative, uh, one of the alternatives that your your organization has promoted is to simply renovate the current tunnel. Uh, okay. So um, years, years ago when we first started this, the CAC, the Community Advisory Committee on Transportation, did a wonderful study of all the rail lines. Unfortunately, rail has to operate as a system, but it's built in patchwork projects. So it's a mess. They had untangling. Yeah, because this project, all $6 billion of it, is going to fix four miles of track. Yeah, yeah. And which also, just to be clear, um, the whole 100 miles an hour, a cellist top speed, um, there are speed limits set by the FRA for in-city transit. Plus, it takes a mile to slow down a train of eight cars, passenger train of eight cars, going 60-something miles an hour. So much of this tunnel is spent slowing down anyway. 
um, as I said, the speed savings, usually they're 30 seconds, but it has a max savings of 2.5 minutes per train trip. So, when, But when they say it's going to shave 20 minutes off the commute from uh, Baltimore to Washington, um, you, you don't dispute that it might it, it will take 30 minutes or less to go there, but you're just saying that the that time savings don't happen because of the tunnel? They happen because of other stuff? Exactly. When you back them to the wall and say, wait a minute, break this down, because mathematically this doesn't work. They say, oh, well, because it's also we're doing this to the track here, and we're doing this to the station here, and we're doing this. We're changing this route. We're, you know, so there's there are other other things that contribute that could save the other 18 minutes. But the tunnel is still part of that plan to, to shave off the 20 minutes. I mean, they still need the tunnel and the new uh, routing of the tunnel in order to get it get the trains to go faster? Well, that's the question, in that when they first created the options for this, the alternatives, um, the there's one alternative, alternative two, which was to rebuild, repurpose the existing route. Now, the specs for all of it included the two double-stack freight tunnels. So they only looked at locations that looked at those specs, which, uh, but the, um, the rehabilitating the old tunnel, redesigning, re-engineering, enlarging um, that the existing tunnel is an option that they said needed more consideration. They hadn't researched it thoroughly. So they took it off the table without looking at it. Our thing is, please look at this. At least look at it. Uh, this could save a lot of danger, time, etc. 410-662-8780 is our number here at Midday. We're talking about the plan to build a new tunnel named after Frederick Douglass to uh, eliminate some time that it takes to get from D.C. to Baltimore, as well as uh, throughout the entire Northeast corner, Corridor, which runs from D.C. Uh, up to New Jersey and New York. Again, 410-662-8780, or email midday at wipr.org. You can tweet us at midday. WIPR. Laura Emily is with me here in Studio A. She's the president of an organization that represents folks who live in West Baltimore called Residents Against the Tunnel. Let's go to the phones to Tom, who's on the line in Mount Vernon. Welcome to Midday with Laura Emily. Well, good afternoon, folks. I was thinking that, in my view, two major disruptions to West Baltimore will occur. One would be the construction of the Frederick Douglass Tunnel or the rehabilitation of the old tunnel. But uh, uh, politically, the red lines would be constructed. So why not construct, con combine those two together? And whatever construction takes place, that way there'll be a minimum of disruption. It won't be two areas of disruption, but just one. Yeah, well, well, Tom, that's a, a good and interesting idea. Of course, one of the things is that this tunnel project is much further along than any red line project because the red line was, uh, as we know, famously, uh, you know, uh, felled by Larry Hogan in his first year in office eight years ago. Uh, Governor Moore has committed $500 million without being specific in this year's budget to uh, as to what that money is actually going to be spent on, but he wants to uh, spend it on transportation projects. And he has said during the campaign that he would support reviving the project for the red line. Uh, but again, that's, you know, I, I think that's years off uh, just as as a practical matter. This one uh, seems to be kind of shovel ready. And Laura Emily, I mean, are, do you expect that, you know, construction of, of this tunnel is going to start 
really soon. I mean, Callan uh, Tansel Suddeth was talking about how there's no actual money yet uh, allocated from the Bipartisan Infrastructure Act. But uh, what's your sense of the timeline in the current plan? Uh, They have a few years before they start digging, but they're certainly doing property acquisition. They're certainly doing other engineering plan. Realize that this tunnel, um, these tunnels, and I'm particularly talking about the freight aspect, uh, partly one of the reasons we're saying look at the other option is that when this was first proposed and they kept the specs for the double stack stack freight, that was before Howard Street Tunnel was uh, proposed. was approved to be repurposed and resized for a double stack. So right now we're getting our, I have a recent letter from the Maryland Department of Transportation saying they don't expect any increase in freight on this line. So it's sort of like, okay, the the terms have changed. The needs have changed. This needs to be re-inspected. Um, they are doing property acquisition. They are looking at re-engineering some things and realize that trains don't end once they get through West Baltimore. There's a whole lot more construction that's going to get tacked on in East Baltimore as they go through under other bridges and through other tunnels. We have an email from a listener, Maria, who says, we can't hold the economy of the East Coast, which is millions of people, hostage to the inconvenience of one neighborhood, which is thousands of people. Disclosure, I take Mark to D.C. for work, and the regular disruptions and delays are hell. So how do you respond to someone who says, look, this is a, a somewhat local parochial concern of, you know, the folks like us who live in West Baltimore, uh, but this is something that's going to benefit the entire Northeast Corridor? Well, um, a couple of things. One, Several people on our board take the Mark train as well. Uh, the Mark train has had years of delays largely because of the old, the outdated electric engines, not because of the electric engines, but because the outdated ones that were then replaced by diesel and going to be re-replaced. The, um, why is it okay to run over 5,000 people and destroy their lives in order to do this when there are other ways? At, or there may be another way by building, by repurposing the tunnel that's there, um, by, uh, uh, as I said, 30 years ago, the governor said to CSX, okay, if we're redoing the port, we need a dedicated freight line to go around the city. There's, in fact, some tracks and industrial parts left that could be repurposed. And freight said, basically, well, who's paying for it? State said, you are. They said, nah, no thanks. So, you know, there are other ways to do this. Uh, in the land of nobody left behind, there's 5,000 people being left behind and in having perhaps generational wealth destroyed, having uh, 10 years of construction outside an ele- elementary school is two slots of, of kids whose entire lives are under this construction in an already dark blue line for asthma. There's, there's serious concerns. Laura Amley is the president of an organization representing folks who live in West Baltimore called Residents Against the Tunnel. We'll have more on the plan to build a new train tunnel in West Baltimore on the other side of a quick break. You can join us. We've got a bunch of emails that I want to read for folks to see what people are thinking. You can call us at 410-662-8780. You can email us midday at wipr.org. You can tweet us at midday. WIPR. You can follow me on Twitter at Tom Hall. WIPR. Stay with us.
This is your public radio, 88.1 WYPR. Welcome back. It's midday. I'm Tom Hall. Some 2,200 trains travel through the Northeast Corridor every day. And when those trains get to the B&P tunnel here in Baltimore, the twists and turns of this 150-year-old structure cause them to slow down considerably, according to Amtrak. And yesterday, President Joe Biden touted plans to build a new train tunnel under the streets of West Baltimore that will allow more trains to speed through the city faster. And during his more than three decades in the Senate, the president traveled by train daily from his home in Delaware to the Capitol in Washington. So this is a project that is very close to his heart. Some residents of West Baltimore think this project is too close to their homes, and they oppose the plan. If you've just joined us, my guest is Laura Emley, who is the president of a grassroots organization of West Baltimoreans who oppose the construction of a new tunnel favoring a renovation of the current tunnel instead or other options. Officials at Amtrak who support the plan for the new tunnel declined our invitation to be part of our conversation today. Likely it will not be the last conversation we have here on Midday about this huge project. It will be 10 years in the making and it's a few years off from even starting. 410-662-8780. Our email is midday at wipr.org. To tweet us, it's at midday wipr. So, Laura, you're not a train expert or a transportation expert. You've lived in Reservoir Hill for even longer than me, 40-something years, and, and I've been there 36 years. Um, but you and, the, and the, the folks who got together to form residents against the tunnel, um, how have you educated yourself about that? Where, where does your information come from uh, when, you're, when you're making determinations and decisions about uh, you know, what you think should happen with a project like this? Uh, from wherever we can get information. What's interesting is much of it came from the Northeast Corridor uh, surveys and and, uh, EIS information, which conflicts with some of the B&P tunnel information. So who does these uh, environmental impact statements? um, I don't know who did the Northeast Corridor one. The uh, B&P tunnel one was done by um, Amtrak spent $60 million to have it done. Uh, The woman who headed it up was Odessa Phillip. She's very um, articulate and knowledgeable and uh, has, after this project, launched her own company to do this sort of thing for other construction projects. So it is kind of funded by people who want a particular outcome, which um, is the outcome they get, regardless of what they need to ignore. On a certain level, you just don't trust the information you're getting from the folks in Amtrak and the the federal government? Well, not from this particular um, EIS. When we compared it to the Northeast Corridor, we did find conflicts of information. We also found uh, things like the Northeast Quarter saying there'd be a 50% increase in freight through here, yet the air pollution that the local EIS uh, calculated was based on the, only on the two trains, that, the two freight trains that go through daily now. So we said, well, can you give us a scalable thing that shows how much it would be with more traffic? And their answer was, no, we can only base it on facts that we have now. It's like, well, that doesn't work. That doesn't give you a true estimate. 
Yeah, and as we mentioned, you've been uh, thinking about this and in communication with uh, these folks, you know, since way back in 2015. So, I mean, this goes way back, and it just shows how long these projects take to gestate, how long they take to uh, come to fruition. I mean, were it not for the Bipartisan Infrastructure Act, uh, we wouldn't be talking about this because, you know, that money was uh, just approved last, uh, I think the president signed that bill in November of 2021, so, you know, just a year or two ago. Um, we got a bunch of emails. This one from Robert, who says, your guest seems to think that simply having the environmental impact study, uh, excuse me, I just, we had so many emails that it's, it's oh my. Popping, the, <laughs> popping them off of my screen. The environmental impact study include a second tunnel option will somehow make it so. It's incredibly expensive to build a tunnel, and the only plans currently are going to be electric passenger rail trains. There isn't a spare $6 billion around to build a second tunnel. So I think the concerns of residents related to the impacts of construction should be mitigated to the greatest extent possible. But this tunnel is badly needed and is for passenger rail. So again, I mean, there are a lot of folks who just think, what are we worried about here? Uh, it's an electric Res, you know, re electric passenger trains, the environmental impact of that is going to be very different than freight trains. And uh, what I will cite is, as you asked, where we get our information, he's getting his information from the PR plan, from the PR that says there will be two electric trains. The record of decision, what they are allowed to do, and what the $4.5 billion budget was originally slated to do was all four tunnels, including the double stack freight. So when he says the plan is, he's responding to PR articles in the news. We're, rec we're responding to what the government put out as a record of decision. And I'll just say for the record, my record of decision is that I don't know whether or not this new go. plan uh, includes freight uh, tracks as well as uh, passenger tracks. Well, don't it's know. allowed to. That's that's the key is that it's allowed but to. But if, if, if they would have to build it immediately, they couldn't build the right. I mean, could they could they have the the passenger train tracks and then five years down the road say, oh yeah, let's add a couple of freight train tracks? Isn't that interesting? In that part of what is being sold to us is well, we're calling it phase one to do the passenger trains. We're, we're calling freight phase two. And it's like, um, and so when are you doing that? Well, it won't be for years. Well, so when? When the, when the funding is released? It's like, well, the funding is released all at once. It would be irresponsible to set up this massive construction infrastructure twice and to bring in these boring machines twice. So because um, yeah, they'd have to reconstruct, wouldn't they? I mean, you exactly. Know, you know, if, if I mean, they decided to do freight at a later date. Yeah, we're talking about massive construction plants. Uh, with slurry ponds and, uh, you know, elevators, all kinds of things. I also have to say, in addition to the tunnel boring machines, which there is historical damage from, the um, we have no protections from that as residents. And uh, wherever there's a turn for a vent or something, those are done with explosives. Now, part of it is they're saying, well, what's to worry about? You know, the, the one of the sales points is that the tunnel is 50 feet below uh, the lowest, the house at the shallow point. Well, their 50 feet is from the ground to the track. So if you have a 30-foot tunnel for double stack freight and you have an 8-foot basement, you're now looking at about 12 feet below your house. Well, there are people who live above the subway system in Manhattan and Brooklyn and Queens. Yes, right? so, yes. So there are ways of having structures, sometimes big, large structures, gigantic, you know, uh, skyscrapers in Manhattan uh, that are placed above subway tracks. Indeed. So there, there are, there's a long history of people being engineering, uh, being able to engineer uh, tracks that are uh, subterranean enough uh, 
to to mitigate uh, any impact on the structural integrity of of buildings, aren't there? So why wouldn't that be the case here? Well, indeed, wouldn't it be great to have a study that told us that? Um, they have not. They had a a couple of core tests and a vibration te- vibration estimates based on charts. Even their vibration expert said to us, "You guys need a full vibration study. We cannot get uh, the uh, we can't afford as people, but we we have connected with um, an international group that connects sci- pro bono scientists with uh, community groups to help investigate things, so that we can have an actual study of this architecture with this age, with this ground, with this uh, um, technology. Because remember, Manhattan's a rock; it's a big rock sticking out of the sea. We're built largely on glacial silt. We're kind of so, uh, spongy. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, uh, it, but your understanding is that this project is ready to go ahead without those kinds of studies. Exactly. Y- your, your your contention is that they have not studied uh, what the impact would be to structures. That is exactly my contention. Right. Yeah. And again, we invited the folks from Amtrak to come on and uh, be part of the conversation. They declined this invita- invitation. Perhaps uh, we'll get them on at some other time. Um, we have an email from uh, Hank who says, I think on the Norfolk Southern uh, route, it runs on the Northeast Corridor and only at night. So if the double stack route does open up for CSX, there should be little interest for freight on the Northeast Corridor. So he's saying that there's going to be an alternative for the freight folks who need to get this stuff down to the Port of Baltimore. Um, people aren't going to need freight on this particular thing. It can concentrate on uh, passenger train. What do you think? Um, CSX wrote a very strong letter that they want in on these tunnels. That was before the Howard Street tunnels were uh, authorized. And here, by the way, the Howard Street tunnels for years, they had a big, huge plan that tore up downtown Baltimore for three years and stopped train traffic. Fortunately, they got so much pushback from this very expensive project that people made a lot of money on that they actually sent engineers down there who scratched their heads and said, you know, if we scrape away 18 inches here and 16 inches there, we can refit this, make it work for double stack and not even interrupt train traffic. We want those guys to come take a look up here instead of having just the people who will make millions, hundreds of millions of dollars off this construction taking a look at it. So Christopher says um, uh, that the Frederick Douglass Tunnel will destroy her neighborhood. And for what I understand, the whole community won't be raised. How many homes would be claimed for this project? Uh, And are you equating the discomfort of the construction, which is part of what living in a city entails with killing the neighborhood. Uh, my understanding is that there's about 30 homes that would have to be, you know, I guess purchased by eminent domain. Um, is that uh, is that your understanding as well? You know what? I don't have the exact numbers, um, but it is about 30 homes, 20 businesses, seven churches. There, There is a list on our website of exactly what will happen. And eminent domain is an interesting fr- uh, phrase to use because these are private corporations. And calling it for the public good, there's, there's a gray area there of whether you can call private corporation projects public good in, under the terms of eminent domain. Because one, one of the uh, concerns uh, of folks in Reservoir Hill and some of the other neighborhoods that you mentioned is that the vibrations from the trains will wreck the structures. 
right? And and so it's not only during the construction, but it's during the the you know the running of the trains ten years down the road when they they start running them. Exactly. I mean, uh, President Biden made. And one point I want to make is President Biden, uh, Pete Buttigieg, these folks. It's an information war. It's a PR war. They're getting the their information from the folks who are for this. They're not, you know, they're making, I would assume, what are good faith decisions. I'm a fan of most of these folks. So um, that's why I'm saying it's an information war. We keep writing letters, but, you know, we're the tiny little Whoville, Whovians waiting for a Horton to hear us. Um, the, uh, oh, sorry, Tom, I forgot your question. Well, <laughs> the concern is that the, the vibrations yes. of the train will, will wreck the structures, not just of the, the homes that they, they know they're going to have to destroy in order to get the tunnel built, but the, the homes that remain. Exactly. And it is an ongoing long-term project. Uh, as I was starting to say, President Biden made mention of like 2,000 trains a day. I think he was talking the whole Northeast Corridor. This opens up space for 388 trains a day. And in addition to the construction process, which will have massive effect, I mean, these old houses shake when a bus goes by. We had BG&E work that broke, that collapsed some houses and broke some gas lines. Uh, they only have any kind of mitigating coverage for uh, neighbors for the years of construction. And it's only $4 million, which $4.1 million or something like that, which won't do anything. And the residents have to prove the damage came from the construction, which is almost impossible. All it will do is sort of bankrupt people. Mm, that could be just yeah. a, like one exactly. big weird lawsuit. Exactly. Let's see if we can sneak in a, a call from Don, who's on the line from somewhere in Pennsylvania. Don, welcome to Midday with Laura Emley. Well, thank you, Tom. I better say what I want to say real fast. Uh, I want to say, first off, progress is important. We know the benefits of it. We need it. Or it's time. It has to be timely, though. When I look at what's going on right now, I think the underlying rationale for this whole project seems to be the issue of speed. We're going to have 100-mile-an-hour trains going. We're going to do this. We're going to save two or three minutes. Speed. The delays that Amtrak and the other rail folks are talking about, those delays have been going on for years. They're predictable. So instead of telling the company or business or an individual that's on a passenger train that you're going to arrive there at 1 o'clock, we can predict these delays. What would be saying something like, well, you'll get there at one thirty. People get upset because they don't get where they're going when they're supposed to. The delays are predictable, and they need to focus on that so people won't be upset, whether it's railroaders or businesses or what have you, speed should not be the focus of this type of project. It ought to be a cost-benefit analysis. We have the we have the spectacle of that road to nowhere in West Baltimore, which we're all familiar with, all familiar with. So we have to be skeptical. I say this again, not into thought progress. There probably are some things in this thing that can be beneficial, but we need to look at this issue of speed, the predictability of delays, and base those decisions on something like that. Thank you for that perspective, uh, Don. I appreciate it. And Laura, we are out of time here, um, but folks can go to your website to see your uh, concerns. There are some emails who said this is just simply a NIMBY situation, you know, not in my backyard. Uh, this is something that we, we need. Um, and, and it's a complicated issue. Again, we invited the folks from Amtrak to be part of our conversation. They declined, uh, but perhaps we'll be able to uh, have them on at some uh, future date and, and talk more about it. But Laura, thank you for your time today. I appreciate the perspective. Thank you so much for having us, Tom. 
Laura Emley is the president of RAT. That's Resonance Against the Tunnel. And that's it for us today. Coming up tomorrow, the Baltimore Metropolitan Council has released a new report that explores ideas for improving coordination among jurisdictions around the transportation system, the bus, the light rail, the subway. I'll speak with Mike Kelly. He's the executive director of the Baltimore Metropolitan Council. And Mark Anthony Thomas. He's the CEO of the Greater Baltimore Committee. That's coming up tomorrow here on Midday. Coming up now, it's here and now. That's after news at the top of the hour. I'm Tom Hall. Thanks so much for joining us. I very much appreciate it. Have a great day. This is your public radio, 88.1 WYPR.